also grateful for a good man of God who has been helping us during this time. And as I said the other night, not just preaching, but truly, truly carrying a burden for this church. And that makes all the difference in the world. It really does, because he's not just delivering sermons to us, but he really is expressing the mind of God to this church. And that's what we want to hear. And uh, I want him to come. And I want him once again to break the bread of life. And uh, I am hungry to be fed from the scriptures today. Anybody else feel that way? Amen. I want you to preach to me, Elder. Come and take your liberty this morning. Praise Oh, let's raise our hands and love him. Can we do that right now? I love you, Jesus. I will bless your name. God, you have been good to us. Amen. You have been good to us, God. Oh, and I love you and I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Oh, I love you, Lord. I love you. I love you. I love you. In Jesus' name, I praise your name, God. Uh, let's really love him right now. Let's really love him. Oh, God, in your name, Jesus, uh, I love you and I praise you and I magnify you. Uh, oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, God. You can be seated for just a moment. Amen. I just want to say again how much I enjoyed Truth Conference. Amen. I think uh, this was my second year, and I enjoyed just sitting and listening. Amen. I want you to know uh, all of you speakers did wonderful. Amen. And Brother Riggin just came and topped it off yesterday. I mean, wow. Amen. If anybody has a revelation of the mighty God in Christ, amen. Brother Riggin does. Amen. And he just brings it out where it's so real. Amen. And I am thankful for that. I am so thankful. Amen. By the way, did anybody lose a, uh, a deal? It's an adapter. I found it out here on the parking lot. So unless you didn't lose, I'm going to give it to Brother Riggins. <laughs> if it's yours, you can come claim it from your pastor. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to me to 2 Kings chapter 3. Amen. Feels good in the house today. I said it feels good in the house today. Amen. Praise God. Second Kings chapter 3, I'm going to start reading at verse number 5. Amen. When you have it, say praise the Lord. And I want to say how good it is to see everyone here. Amen. I'm looking for God to fill the house. I'm believing for God to fill the house. Amen. But it came to pass when Ahab was dead that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. And King Jehoram went out of Samaria the same time and numbered all Israel. And he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab hath rebelled against me. Wilt thou go with me against Moab to battle? 
And he said, I will go up. I am as thou art, my people as thy people, and my horses as thy horses. And he said, Which way shall we go up? And he answered, The way through the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went, and the king of Judah, and the king of Edom, and they fetched a compass of seven days' journey, and there was no water for the host and for the cattle that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, that the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord, that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king of, Is- uh, king of Israel's servants answered and said, Here is Elisha, the son of Saphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha said unto the king of Israel, What have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father and to the prophets of thy mother. And the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, Surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee. But now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not see wind, neither shall ye see rain, Yet that valley shall be filled with water, that ye may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beast. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites into your hand. And ye shall smite every fenced city and every choice city, and shall fell every good tree and stop all wells of water and mar every good piece of land with stones. And it came to pass in the morning when the meat offering was offered that, behold, there came water by the way of Edom, and the country was filled with water. Notice again verses 16 and 17 where the prophet Elisha says, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not see wind, neither shall ye see rain, Yet that valley shall be filled with water that ye may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beasts. Elisha prophesied the word of the Lord to the three kings and told them, Ye shall not see wind, neither shall ye see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water that ye may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beast. However, Before he gave the promise that the valley would be filled with water, he told them, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. And what God, speaking through the prophet Elisha, was saying was, I'm going to meet your need. I'm going to fill this valley with enough water that all your men and your cattle and your beasts can drink. But first you're going to have to do something. Thus saith the Lord, you're going to have to dig some ditches. 
God was informing them, I want you to understand, I'm going to give you the miracle that you need. Man, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost already. I'm going to give you the water you so desperately need to have to survive. But before I do, you're going to have to learn how to dig some ditches. You're going to have to become ditch diggers, and that's exactly what I want to preach about today for the next little bit. Ditch diggers. Ah, let's pray right now in Jesus' name. God, I love you and I praise you and I magnify you. You are worthy of all praise and glory and honor. God, I'm believing you're going to open up the windows of heaven. God, you're... God, you're going to send down a blessing, God, upon this church, upon this pastor. I believe you for it right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe the valley shall be filled in Jesus. Oh, I praise your name, God. I praise your name, God. I praise your name. Oh, let's clap our hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want you to go and turn and shake somebody's hand. Amen. Uh, those of you in the front, go to the back and shake somebody's hand. Amen. Real quick. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Brother Rick, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Love you, brother. Hey, doesn't it feel good? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. In the story where we take our text today, we read where three kings... All three of their armies and animals found themselves in a desperate situation. They had went seven days in the wilderness of Edom, and they had no water. This is an extremely critical circumstance for someone to find themselves in, uh, for water is an absolute necessity to life of all humanity and all other life forms. Where there is no water, where there is water, every aspect of life flourishes. Amen. But where there is no water, there is absolutely nothing, whether it's plants, animals, or humans, uh, that can exist. Uh, for each of these have their own unique need and appetite. Amen. For this substance. Amen. So we understand that water is not merely an added benefit, uh, an extravagance, or a lavish luxury. Water is an absolute necess necessity to sustain life, and without it, you die. Amen. I recently, well, I don't know how long it's been now. We've been on a low-carb diet, and uh, I found myself drinking more water. Amen. I said, well, you've got to have water. I said, you got to have water. Amen. These three kings of Israel, amen, the king of Judah and the king of Edom are now becoming extremely anxious and worried, knowing that unless they get water for their men, their animals, and themselves, they will surely die. Amen. Desperate people often do desperate things. And many times in their desperation, those desperate things that people do are foolish things. In this case, the king of Israel 
foolishly starts blaming God for their predicament. For we read in verse number 10, And the king of Israel said, Alas, that the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Here they are, seven days' journey, amen, into the wilderness of Edom. And without water, and instead of calling out to God for his help, his direction, and his provision, the king of Israel, uh, he wants to start blaming God. Mm -hmm. When all the time it was not God's fault. Amen. The king of Israel was a negative influence. He was a harmful and an adverse influence because his attitude was negative. His attitude was degenerate and destructive. And sometimes the biggest problem we have is with those who we associate with. You need to be careful with whom you form an alliance with. You need to be careful with whom you allow yourself to become close to and associate with. You need to continually seek to improve and enhance your fellowship and your friendship and eliminate all the whiners, the belly achers, and the complainers. Oh, is anybody going to help me preach today? I need you. Uh, Brother Jared, I need you to help me today. Amen. Uh, you need to stay away from people with no vision and no passion. Uh, you need to, oh God, help me. I said you need to stay away from them kind of people. Uh, amen. You need to stay away from those who are supposed to be apostolic, uh, but yet they find excuses to stay away from church all the time, uh, let alone during this pandemic. Well, help me God. Uh, your pastor has never pastored through a pandemic before. He's going to make some difficult decisions to protect the church, uh, taking everything into consideration from your spiritual growth, uh, amen, to legal liabilities uh, that you're not even thinking about. Uh, instead of talking about him and running him down, why don't you try praying for him? God help me. Amen. Further, you need to stay away from those who are continually negative and who spend all their time wallowing in the muck and the mire of self-pity because the wrong association will kill you. They'll kill your joy. They'll kill your vision. They'll kill your passion. And they'll kill your faith. Somebody say praise the Lord. And if it hadn't have been for King Jehoshaphat who knew what the power from a word from God could do, they would have no doubt all died in the wilderness. But we read in the first portion of verse 11 where King Jehoshaphat asked, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? Oh God, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. See, Jehoshaphat knew that one word from God can change everything. Jehoshaphat knew that a word from God can take what's wrong and make it right. Ah, that's why God set a divine order in the church. It's why God ordained a preacher and a pastor to preach the word of God to you. Oh, somebody help me now. That's exactly why the preaching of the word is so important. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 states, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Uh, you need the word of God 
in your life. And you need to surround yourself with people that want to hear the word of God and will subject themselves to a pastor and to the preaching of the word because they know the word of God can deliver you. The word of God can change you. And the word of God is the truth that will set you free. Oh, God. When Jehoshaphat asked, is there not here a prophet of the Lord? Amen. That we may inquire of the Lord by him. He had enough faith in a man of God to believe that if a man of God would just hear from God, that God would provide him an answer to their problem. He had enough faith in God not to blame him like the king of Israel was doing. In essence, Jehoshaphat was informing the king of Israel, you can be ignorant and foolishly blame God if you want to, but as for me, all I need are two things to get me out of the mess you got us into. I need a man of God and I need the word of God. How many of you are thankful for us? A man of God. How many of you thankful for the word of God? Some of you that are here today in this place, you're in the same shape that these three kings were. You feel like you've been wandering in a wilderness with no water and your soul is dry and parched and in desperate need of some life-giving water. You need to get an attitude like Jehoshaphat had and let faith rise up in you until you can believe like he did that if I can just get to the man of God to give me the word of God, I'll get my need met. I'll get the answer to my problem. Oh, God, help me. Help me, God. One of king of Israel's servants answered and said the prophet Elisha is around here somewhere and Jehoshaphat said the word of the Lord is with him so these three kings set off to do what they should have done in the first place they went to find the man of God they went to find Elisha I want you to notice in verse 13 when they had found Elisha the first thing that Elisha did was to rebuke the king of Israel for he said what have I to do with thee Get thee to the prophets of thy father and to the prophets of thy mother. Notice next the response of the king of Israel when he told Elisha, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. He was still being negative. King of Israel knew there were no power in the prophets of Baal. And that's why they never went looking for any of them. Yet even in the presence of the man of God, he's still blaming God for their problems and their situation. Verse 14, Elisha then tells the king of Israel, As the Lord of hosts liveth, amen, before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee. The only reason that Elisha even intervened in this matter was because uh, not only was the presence of Jehosh Jehoshaphat himself, uh, but because Elisha knew uh, Jehoshaphat had enough faith in God uh, to believe that God could and work on their behalf. Uh, and if you are ever going to get your need met, uh, you're going to have to be like Jehoshaphat uh, and have faith to believe that God not only can, uh, but that God will work for you. Uh, uh, somebody praise him right now. Somebody lift him up. Ah, uh, he up God, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. 
Oh, God. Hallelujah. In verse 15, Elisha asked for a minstrel to be brought. When the minstrel played, the hand of the Lord, amen, came upon him. In verse number 16, Elisha tells these three kings, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Now the words, make this valley full of ditches, are not exactly what you want to hear when you're in the middle of a desert dying of thirst. Yet that's exactly what the man of God told them. And have you ever had the man of God tell you something that seems so off the wall? If you haven't yet, you will. And if you've ever dug ditches, then you know it's hard work. And it's especially difficult when the ground is dry and hard. They were there in a wilderness, a dry desert valley place, a low place. And in this place, in this low, dry desert place, the word of the Lord said, dig ditches. It was hard work. It was slow and difficult work. And no doubt their hands were bleeding. Their backs were sore. Their arms were aching. Uh, their shoulders were aching. And to top it all off, uh, they were already extremely thirsty. Uh, and the longer they dug, the more thirsty they became. Uh, until their thirst was no doubt becoming unbearable. Uh, I'm talking to some people right now. Uh, you have been in that same place. Uh, that low and dry place where everything is hard. Uh, it's difficult and it takes a great amount of effort. Uh, you have to force yourself to praise the Lord. Uh, you have to force yourself to pray. Uh, you have to force yourself to read the Bible. You have to force yourself to go to church. And it feels like you're so dry and empty. And your mind is saying it's ridiculous. And the devil is telling you it's just not worth it. The devil is telling you it's over. It's dead. It's never going to happen. Those prayers that you prayed, you're never going to see them answered. You're never going to get your healing. You're never going to obtain your deliverance. You're never going to see those children, your spouse, or your loved one accept this truth. Repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Ghost. You're never going to succeed. You're never going to get out of debt. You're never going to get your need met. You're never going to accomplish anything for God. And when you look around at the present situation and circumstance and what you know along with what you're feeling, the temptation is you got to agree with him. My God, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. Why don't we just stand to our feet and love him right now? Oh, You're going to keep on praying. You're going to keep on believing. You're going to keep on holding on to what's been preached and prophesied. You're going to hold on to that dream. You're going to hold on to that vision. And you're just going to keep on digging. I said you're going to keep on digging. Oh, I love you. 
love you, Jesus. You may be in the greatest drought season of your life and everything around you be dried up. And the only way to get through it is to keep on moving, to keep on digging, keep on praying, keep on worshiping God, keep on sowing the seed, and keep on coming to church. Ah, what do you do when you're going through the fire? You just keep on digging. What do you do when you find yourself in the lion's den? You just keep on digging. What do you find? What do you do when you find yourself in the valley of the shadow of death? You just keep on digging. Oh, God, I love you. What do you do when it seems all hope is lost? You just keep on digging. What do you do when it seems like you're going through hell? You just keep on digging. What you don't realize is that when you're in that low place, when you're in that dry place, amen, where you're digging, your hands are blistered and bleeding, amen, your muscles are aching, you're tired and you're weary, you got dirt in your hair and in your mouth, amen, and you're under your fingernails. But what you don't realize is that you're preparing a habitation for God's blessings on your your life. You're preparing a place where God can and will work in your life. You're the one. I said, everybody say me. You're the one who determines how deep and how wide God's provisions are. You're the, oh God, let me say it again. I said, you're the one that determines how deep and how wide God's provision are. You're the one that determines how much of his glory and how much of his anointing are going to be working in your life. You, oh, let me say it again. I said, it is you. I said, it is you. It is you. It is you. creating the capacity to receive a greater power, a greater anointing, and a greater blessing than you have ever had in your life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, I know. The devil, he meant it to kill you. He meant it to drive you out of church. Uh-huh. That's what I'm saying. I know He meant to convince you that it's hopeless. I know it's been hard. And it's been dry. And I know you feel like everybody else is throwing dirt in your face. As you take another shovel and get it out in the ditch, here comes a shovel right in your face. Amen. But I've come to this pulpit today to tell you that all your digging is worth the effort. I cannot tell you how and I cannot tell you when. But I can tell you you're going to see the fruit of your labor. I can preach this with an assurance because Proverbs 10 and 16 informs us the labor of the righteous tendeth to life. Oh, I can preach this because Hebrews 6 and 10 in part states, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have showed toward his name. And Galatians 6 and 9 instructs us and let us not be weary in well doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Oh God, I feel a reaping spirit. I feel a reaping spirit. I said, I feel a reaping spirit in the house. My God, my God. 
My God, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. step out boldly on faith I'm going to say not only amen what the man of God said this valley shall be full of ditches uh, this church is going to be full I said Verses 3 through 4 where God says, If ye walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then will I give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. So I can preach with assurance that somebody's due season is on the way. I said your due season is on the way. I'm preaching to somebody who's been in a spiritual drought. I'm preaching to someone who's feeling lost in the wilderness without any water. If you've never been in a spiritual drought, then this message won't mean much to you. But there's somebody listening to me. You've been in a dry place, and it seemed like the heavens have been brass, and it hasn't rained in a long, long time. And it seemed like God moved, and he didn't leave any forwarding address. But I came to preach to someone that in due season, I said in due season, the drought will break. I said the drought's going to break. And in the same place, yes, I said the same place where the enemy said it's over. In the same place where the enemy said, I'm going to try and destroy you. In the same place where the doubters, the mockers, and the scoffers said, this is all God's fault. In the same place where the adversary said, I'm going to destroy this church. In the same place where hell screams out, Revival's never going to come. I said, in the same place where it said it's nothing but a burn over field. In the same place where it's been said nothing but wilderness with no water. And in the same place where the devil said it's going to end. You're going to dry, dry up and die. In the same place where God said keep on digging ditches. In this same place God said ye shall not see wind. Neither shall ye see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water that ye may drink. I believe someone in this place is catching the scent of water. Yeah. 
Job 14, verses 7 through 9 tell us, for there is hope of a tree. If it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease, though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stock thereof dry in the ground. Yet through the scent of water it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. I said, did anybody catch that? It was through the scent of water, not the actual water or the taste of water, but just the scent of it. That tree is going to sprout again. Ah, you might not have seen the wind. You might not have yet felt the rain. Ah, yet this valley shall be filled with water that ye may drink. Oh, you can't feel it, and you can't see it, and you can't taste it, but somebody can smell it. The scent of water's in the air. The scent of a breakthrough, it's in the air, Pastor. I said it's in the air. The scent of a miracle is in the air. The scent of revival, it's in the air. The scent of victory. I said the scent of victory is in the air. I don't see any difference yet. But yet, I have caught the scent of water. Is it any wonder the devil's tried so hard? He's tried so hard to fight us. No wonder he's tried to kill us in the wilderness. He knows if we can ever get to the water, he don't have a chance. Oh, he knows if we let our faith rise up like Jehoshaphat, amen, and get to the man of God and hear the word of God, that he is not going to have a chance. Oh, Oh, come on, somebody help me. He couldn't see any water around anywhere. And he thought you'd die of thirst. He thought you'd just fold your hands and you'd quit. He thought you'd just throw in the towel and give up. He thought you'd fall apart. He thought you'd have a nervous breakdown. He thought you'd get angry and bitter and resentful and critical. He thought you'd just sit down and cry. He never counted on digging until you hit water. He never counted on you digging ditches. He never counted on you becoming a ditch digger. I've come to this pulpit, amen, to inform someone that devil doesn't know everything. He thought... It was all just surface relationship, and that was all it was. It was just nothing but emotion. He thought as soon as it got rough, and as soon as it got hard, and as soon as it got dry, you'd go running back to Egypt. The truth is, I might have quit. I might have turned around. Oh, hear me, I've been knocked down. I said, I've been disappointed. I said, I might have thrown in the towel. I might have given up on my dreams and on my hopes, but I've heard enough of the word of God to know that this valley shall be filled with water. I've heard enough. Just one more shovel of dirt. I know your muscles are sore. I know your back is aching. I know your hands are blistered. They're cracked and bleeding. And I know you don't feel like it. But just go ahead and take one more shovel. Go ahead. I said just grab 
Just one more shovel of dirt. Go ahead. Just one more shout. One more thank you, Jesus. One more hallelujah. One more dance. One more march around the walls. And something's going to happen. This valley is going to be filled with water. Somebody just needs to lift your hands and start praising God for water. I'm closing. But before I do, I want to inform you as to why God sent any water to these three kings. And why he's going to send water to us. It's not just because you're thirsty. It's not just because you're dry. And it's not just because you're in trouble. God said, I'm going to give you water. I'm going to quench your thirst. I'm going to meet your need. I'm going to deliver you, but that's just the beginning. Verses 18 and 19 of our text says, But this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites also into your hand. And ye shall smite every fenced city, every choice city, and shall fell every good tree and stop all wells of water and mar every good piece of land with stones. That's what this is all about. And God said, you're going to be chasing the very thing that was chasing you. You're going to be going into the enemy's camp and you're going to knock down walls and stop up his wells and set people free. The devil didn't want you to hear this message. But I said it's too late. You've already heard the man of God. You've already heard the word of God. You're not going to die in the wilderness. This valley shall be filled with water. Now it's up to you to respond. It's up to you to become a ditch digger. Is there anybody ready in the house to become a ditch digger? Come on, come to the front right now. If you're ready to be a ditch digger. I said if you're ready. Amen. Uh, uh, you ready to get your hands cracked and bleeding uh, uh, 